Hey, 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 hold on, hold on. Gather around, everybody. Listen up. I got a story to tell. Tell, tell. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm your host, Rico Lane, and thank you for checking in to the Blessed Money Podcast, where we help you build your relationship with Christ by sharing blessings and testimonies on Bible scriptures that is manifested in everyday people's lives like yourself. If you have ever found a Bible difficult to understand, struggle with your faith, or simply wonder why Christians believe the way that they do, then this podcast is definitely for you. I believe that if we can show you that the Bible is made real in our personal lives today, even though it was written so many years ago by so many different authors, then you just may change the way you view the Bible. It may even spark your curiosity on the Bible or Christ, and I know without a doubt, if you seek Christ, you will find him. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And oh yeah, don't forget, be a blessing and share your testimony. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the wonderful and powerful name of Jesus. I thank you for an opportunity for me to be used by you, Lord. I thank you for an opportunity to be a vessel to share your word. I pray that as I discuss your word, that it is all you and none of me. I also pray that the listeners' ears, their eyes, their hearts, and their minds are open so that they hear the truth, they know the truth, and they understand the truth. And anything that may not be the truth, I pray that you take it away from their memory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Hey, what's going on, brothers and sisters in Christ? And thank you so much for listening to the Blessedimony Podcast. Today, I have a special guest, a guest that I have a lot in common with. See, some of y'all may know that I served in the United States Air Force. I put in 16 years of service. Well, my brother today, he put in 15 years of service in the Army. We ain't going to hold it against him because he should have went Air Force, but we all one team, one fight, huh? Anyhow, not only is he a soldier in the Air Force, and I salute him for his service, he's also a brother in Christ, and I really salute him for his dedication to fulfilling the great commission where we are called to go out and make disciples throughout the whole nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he takes that role very serious, so much so that he decided to start his own podcast called I Believe Now What, where he's going over questions and answers and different Bible topics and Bible studies to help you gain a better understanding of the Bible and grow in your relationship in Christ, just like we're doing here with the Blessed Money Podcast. So I encourage you to check out his show. I encourage you to subscribe and share with anybody who you feel can find value in it because we got to support each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. And today we're going to be talking about Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. A scripture that even myself found very hard to understand. A scripture where I had to reach out to spiritual mentors and my pastor to get a better understanding on. And my brother, Tim Perko, does a great job at explaining it. So without further ado, I'm going to pass the microphone over and I encourage you to check out his testimony on this scripture. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven, will enter. It's kind of a scary verse when you just read it out of context and you first check it out. You're like, whoa, what the heck is Jesus talking about here? People who are crying out to him, Lord, Lord, aren't going to enter heaven? Like, how does that 
harmonized with Romans 10, 9, where it says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Christ is Lord, that you'll be saved into salvation. You know, it's one of those verses that you read and you come across and you're like, whoa, this is, this is kind of scary. What is this verse talking about? Mm-hmm. And in our conversation before we started recording, you said, you know, at one point you talked to your pastor about that. I, I did the same thing. And I was a little nervous and it took a lot of studying and reading about this. And this is eventually the verse that really changed my my thought pattern on what Christianity really is. A little background about myself. So I, I'm a pastor's kid. I grew up uh, in, in a very Christian family, great Christian family. And I got saved at a really early age, around the age of six, six, seven years old. It was really early. I went to a little play. It was about heaven and hell. And I knew just a couple basic truths. One, Jesus died on the cross to save me from my sins. And two, I don't want to go to hell. <laughs> Hey, man, you know what? Not to interrupt you, but I wonder what play that is. Because when I was a kid, there was a play that came into our town every single year. And they told these different stories about different—it had, like, different segments and different people's lives. And it would say it would show like the good guy, the guy who didn't go to church, but his family did. But he he took care of his family, and in his mind he thought it was good. But then you know his family went to heaven, and he ended up going to hell. Uh, and then they had like a bunch of other stories like that. Was yours something similar to that? Oh, it's totally similar. Very much the same. I mean, I'll never forget it because that was one of the first moments in my life where I really started understanding what the gospel was. And yeah, that's pretty cool that, that it came all around like that. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder what that place called. They, I, I'm, I'm stationed in L.A. now, and I haven't seen anything like that out here. But when I was living in Georgia, uh, that's where I'm from, Atlanta, they, it came every single year, and um, we would go and watch that play. And it, it definitely was one of those things that – one of those starting points for me to know about Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had an altar call at the end. and uh, You know, I asked my parents uh, – I was just a little boy if I can go up there. And they were so happy. They were like, yeah, go on, get up there. <laughs> you know, um, and that, that was the moment that I, I, you know, I said a sinner's prayer. And, you know, I, I started believing in Christ. Well – as life went on, and as I got older, uh, especially once I started hitting uh, high school, beginning of high school, you know, so much of my life wasn't about the Bible. I didn't do much Bible studying besides what I did when I went to church. Uh, I, 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 I never denied Christ in any way, but I definitely wasn't living like a Christian. And that only got even more intense as I joined the military. And... I remember joining the military and just letting that military, I'm not trying to bash on the military here, but I let that military lifestyle, you know, drinking, partying, going out with the boys, all that kind of stuff. It started taking over my life, especially as a young kid, you know, 18, 19 years old. I was letting that stuff take over my life. And while I confessed Christ with my mouth, I definitely wasn't living a Christian lifestyle. Uh, A few years later, after some deployments, I ended up meeting my wife. And I remember we got married real fast, real typical military. It starts the same way the Air Force. We got married about, yep. oh, man, like three months after knowing each other. I'm still with her today. Uh, you know, she, she's a woman after God. But, you know, my only basic question to her before I was like, okay, I want to marry this girl. Let me ask her one thing. Hey, do you believe in God? She's like, oh, yeah, I do. I'm like, okay, good enough for me. All right. So, <laughs> so, so I popped the question to her. You know, we got married. And. As life was going on in the, in, the, in the military lifestyle and just, you know, being young and stupid, I still wasn't living like a Christian. Neither was my wife. You know, me and, me and her were just out there partying, 
We all we cared about was you know how we're going to get to the club on the weekends, uh, who's going to DD us. You know, it was just a party, worldly lifestyle. Yeah. And I wasn't living that Christian life. And it wasn't until because acts of my own, my marriage was starting to fall apart. You know, I, I wasn't faithful to my wife. Um, and it, it's hard to talk about. But at the same time, you know, I, God bless her. She's an amazing woman. And she stuck it through with me. And that's when I started realizing, like, okay, man, Tim, you, you know the key to a successful marriage, the foundation built on Christ. So what my wife and I did was we tore down that entire house that we built, that fictional you know house we built. We tore away the foundation, and we put Christ as the foundation. He started going back to church, and that's when I started seeing changes happen in my life in a positive way. I started reading my Bible more, not just you know listening to one sermon on Sunday and being like, all right, I'm good. I started reading my Bible. I started studying my Bible. I started gaining an interest. And that's when I came across this verse, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. And I'm just like, what is Jesus talking about here? He, he's talking to people who's saying, not everyone who's going to come out to me and cry out to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. And it kind of took me aback. And I was like, am, am I going to be one of those people yeah. who, who on the last days who go to him, Lord, Lord, you know, and, and he keeps me especially the second part of that verse where it goes through 22 through 23 i'll read that real quick it says many will say to me on that day lord lord did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles and i will declare to them i never knew you apart from me you who practice lawlessness man that gave me chills because i was like what is he talking about these people are doing miracles in his name, casting out demons in his name, they're preaching in his name, and he's saying, I never knew you. And when God talks in absolutes like that, saying, I never knew you, that I'm, I'm you know, I'm paying attention. Me too, brother. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, it, it, it took me back, you know, and then through some studying and research and just going over the scriptures, reading my Bible more and more. Uh, along the way, I ended up finding this pastor. His name is uh, Pastor John MacArthur. He runs Grace to You Church out in California. And he had a message on this particular passage. And the way he broke it down and explained it and what the verses he provided, it, it gave me a, a good foundation of research. And I ended up coming to the conclusion that what this verse is talking about is salvation just doesn't come from, you know, claiming that you're a Christian or saying a sinner's prayer. And I don't want to trip anybody up, but, you know, if you really true, Romans 10, 9 still holds true. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, but that's the thing is you have to believe in your heart. When you are making that step, you have to truly want it, truly believe it come from a place of brokenness, you know, understanding your sin. And from that, you're going to have a transformed mind. You're going to have a transformation in your entire life where you are going to start being hungry after God. You're going to start uh, being consumed by it. You want to read your Bible. You want to go to church. You want to do good things. And even just uh, a couple verses up, Jesus was talking about the fruits, the, the parable of the fruits, the tree and the fruits, saying how you know you cannot produce good fruits unless you're a part of me. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. And apart from him, we can't do anything. So it, it pretty much showed me that if you truly are saved, if you truly are a Christian, then you will be producing good works. And now I don't want people to get confused. That's not 
salvation, but you know, that's not faith plus works equals salvation. It's still faith plus nothing equals salvation. It's just the works come from your faith. It's kind of like a package deal. You know, when you, when you accept Christ in your heart, when you understand your brokenness and you, you need your savior and you receive the Holy Spirit, part of that package deal with the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit becomes your conscience. The Holy Spirit becomes part of you and he gives you that hunger to want to do good works. You're not going to sit back and just, you know, do nothing with it. Like, all right, well, I got Christ and I'm going to go out to the club now and, you know, get wasted and do this and do that, you know, do other worldly things. You're going to have some type of evidence in your life, no matter how some people, you know, they, they turn on a, on a drop of a dime and they can rebuke their sins super fast. Other people like me, you know, it takes a much longer process. It's a yeah, slower U-turn. Yeah. Sanctification. Exactly, brother. Exactly. And that sanctification path is just going to, it's going to form you, you know, it's going to form a better version of you. And that's Christ working through your life like that. And that, that, that this verse, one of the things that I, I'm really passionate about is because I bet there's lots of other people out there who are like me. They grew up in a Christian family. They grew up in a Christian home. You know, they, they, they believe in everything that the Bible says, you know, they believe in word, you know, well, yeah, I was always raised a Christian. I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe this, but remember what it says in James, even the demons believe. And the big difference between the demons and us is that we act on that faith. We obey God. We submit to God. We submit to his lordship. That's what it means like when they say, you know, confess that Christ is Lord, that Christ ultimately, he, he's our master, and we want to submit to him. We want to do his will. And then the answer to that scary verse is actually in the verse itself. He says, but those who do the will of my father who is in heaven will enter. So you got to do the father's will. And yeah. it's not something of yourself. You don't do that. That's the Holy Spirit at work inside of you doing that. Yeah, that's good, brother. Matter of fact, man, um, couple couple of things you said. I'm gonna hop in here real quick. And so we were. Uh, this is one of those scriptures where, like, me and my mom had a lot of conversations on this. And then I go to this thing called School of Discipleship at my church on Thursday nights, where they mm-hmm. teach us how to be a disciple and how to, you know, just minister the word of God. And so that's outstanding that your church does that. Yeah, man. And we, um, and so not this script, not this verse specifically, but the other verse you talked about where, um, well in in Romans where we say you got to believe in your heart. And so my pastor has said something where he was just like, you know, we got to believe in our heart and not our mind. So I asked him, I was like, you know, well, how do you know if you believe in your heart versus your mind? And can you give me an example? And, you know, we were actually all kind of stumped on that. And then God just brought something back to my memory that helped me answer that question. It, it woke me up like at two o'clock that morning. So a couple of days before that, oh, I was on Facebook. You know, everybody, you know, they have all those Christian groups on Facebook. And one, I, mm-hmm. this one guy posted something on Facebook that really stuck with me. And I say that he told he was talking about the uh, the story or the parable of the rich young ruler. And the oh, way he yeah. explained it was like it, I had never really thought about it the way he explained it. So I ended up saving that thread. And then that conversation happened with my pastor. And then like two o'clock in the morning, God reminded me of that thread. And so basically what happened in the story of the rich young ruler, which helps me to understand this verse and understand how you believe in your heart 
is that the rich young ruler, he was actually, he was actually like a religious person. You know, he would probably end up being one of the people who would prophesy in God's name and do that kind of stuff. Cause he told, he, uh, he asked God, you know, he asked Jesus, you know, what do I need to do to, uh, to inherit the kingdom and stuff? And Jesus said, you know, follow the commandments. And he, and he listed out a couple commandments and the rich young ruler was like, yeah, I do all of those. Well, so, so then Jesus go in. He missed the point. <laughs> yeah, he missed he missed the complete point, right? And so and, and a lot of us missed the point of that story too, because we we typically mm -hmm. we look at it like we focus on a rich person can't get to heaven, or it's hard for a rich person to get to heaven. But what Jesus was doing, Jesus actually knew what what had that man's heart and it was his riches. It was his money. So what Jesus did was he took what he already knew about the man and put a mirror in front of him and showed him where he wasn't actually following the most important commandments, loving God first and foremost, and then loving, loving your neighbor. And so what Jesus said to him was like, Hey, okay, well go ahead, sell all your riches, get rid of all your riches, give it to the poor and follow me. And so the man was, he got sad because he loved his riches and he turned away from God. And so the thing is, so the way you connect it to what's going on here is that when you truly believe in your heart, when you truly follow Jesus, then there's nothing that you will put in front of him. And so a lot of people, like you said, they grow up, they grow up uh, in the church. They grow up knowing about the word of God. They believe the word of God, but then there's certain things that they're just not willing to give up to follow Jesus. They're not willing to stop smoking marijuana or whatever. They're not willing to stop committing adultery or they're not willing to stop doing certain things. And so it's a fine line between that sanctification of, Hey, I gave my life to Christ. So nothing else is more important than me following him. And when God start convicting me on my sins, I'm going to turn away from those sins. And so like the story with the rich young ruler, he wasn't willing to give up his money. He wasn't willing. And so the fact that he wasn't willing to give up his money, it proved two things. One, he didn't love God first and foremost. God wasn't first in his life. And then two, he didn't love his neighbors as he loved himself. Because if he truly loved his neighbors, then he would be willing to give that up and go out and disciple with God, with Jesus. And so that story just, uh, that story just made me realize how, how, you know, we say we believe in God with our mouth, but our actions may show a different thing. And so, I, so my prayer to God is like anything that I'm putting before you, God, make me aware of it convict me on it and so in that way you and then help me to get rid of it help me to uh to put you first and follow you and so i think that that story of the rich young ruler just really explained it uh because we think we seem to think okay well i just confess my sins i ask for forgiveness and and i'm all good but the reality of it is is that god knows your actual heart same thing with judas judas was following jesus all the way around uh, for three years and he was uh you know, you can assume that he was uh, committing some of the same miracles that they were doing, that the other disciples were doing. But then in the end, he ended up falling short because his heart wasn't for Jesus. Exactly. And that's it. You even look at who Jesus is talking to when he's making this. You know, he, he, he's, you know he's referring to people like the Pharisees, mm -hmm. these other people who put Christ on on the outside, but they don't have Christ on on the inside. Yeah. And that that's why I get... Uh, I get kind of obsessed sometimes. And if anybody ever checked out my podcast before, you could see about, uh, you know, like almost like superficial church where, you know, you're almost like playing church. You come in with these soft messages and, you know, Jesus loves you and he's going to forgive you. And while all that's true, we got to, we also have to preach on the other side. Like, look, this is what you need to be doing. 
This is the way you should feel because you don't want to give people a false assurance that they're safe. Because I was that Christian, especially I remember being 21 years old. I'm not going to go ahead and name the pastor, put him on blast, but I was listening to a pastor on podcast and they were very wishy-washy messages and it made me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. And then that Saturday night I go out and I do the same thing that I've always been doing. And I don't feel bad for it. I'm like, Oh, Jesus is going to forgive me. Jesus is going to forgive me. It's okay. Mm, yeah. That's, you know, honestly, man, I, it's, it's definitely a, a, a fine balance. Like I, I look at a lot of, um, Cause I, like my passion is to disciple and share Christ and, and and share the gospel, disciple others, help them to kind of know Christ. Hence why I started, why I'm doing this podcast. But um, you know, it's 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 really hard when somebody who I feel like we got to show love and kindness to people who don't actually know Christ. But then once they oh, actually yeah. accept Christ, then it's time to disciple them. Then it's time to hit them with the hey, you gotta you gotta get your stuff together. And it tells I think in James it tells us you know you know if a brother is sinning, he's in transgression, you go to that brother. And he's he's not talking like some random atheist. He's talking about a Christian. If a Christian is sinning, you go to him and tell him he's doing wrong. And if he don't hear you, you come back and you get two other brothers. And if you don't hear him, you get the church and if you don't hear it then then you got to treat them like an unbeliever yeah and exactly and i think a lot of people take that out of context especially when it comes to the uh the whole you know judging thing yeah. i mean number one god is the one who judges but at the same time we have to look at people's lives as us i'm talking about us as the body of christ inside especially in the church setting mm -hmm. when you have somebody when you have somebody who is not a Christian, they don't profess Christ, you know, that, that's up to, that's God dealing with them. The best we can do for those people is just give them the gospel. We can't judge their lifestyle because they don't have the same master we do. Yeah, that's But the true. people inside the church, yeah, that's that's the difference maker right there. Yeah. And it, exactly what you said, James, uh, where, where you gotta, you gotta call that person out, you know, in private, and then bring some friends, and then bring it to the church, and then, you know, you hate to see a church have to go to the point and treat them like an unbeliever and kick them out for membership and stuff, but you know, the, the, but the Bible says what the Bible says. You know, I'm a very big sola scriptura kind of guy. I really believe in the power and the truth of scripture. And sometimes I don't, I can't harmonize everything that's in the Bible. Like I wish I could, but at the same time I do, uh, you know, I just agree with it. I'm yeah. going to agree with it, even if I don't fully understand it yet. Yeah, man. Same, same. So, you know, uh, matter of fact, just last night. So there's this other church in my in my area, I'm not a part of that church, but what they do on Sundays, they had a, their regular service in one city, um, and then they come to the city that I live in, and they do they rent out this building space. They have a quick worship service, and then the pastor may say something for like ten to fifteen minutes, but then we they go out into the into the actual city. Uh, I live in L.A. And so the homeless epidemic is really bad here. So they will go out and just give stuff to the homeless. No strings attached. You know, if the gospel comes up, we share the gospel with them. But we just show them that somebody care for them. They're thinking about them. And we and we give them things that they need, clothes, blanket, fruit, whatever the case may be. And that's exactly what a church should be doing. Exactly. You know, a church should be spreading the gospel through their community like that, helping out the poor. You know, maybe some dude's roof, you know, has a leak. Go fix his roof. You know, do stuff in the community. That's how you get the gospel out there through these different things. You know, you can go door to door, knock on doors, but there's other ways to go about it too. And then maybe, who knows, somebody might come up to you and ask like, Hey, I see you guys out here. You know, you're always picking up trash or you're always doing this. Or you're always doing that. Who are you guys with? Oh, I'm with, you know, so-and-so church. Mm -hmm. Next thing you know, that might get them in the aisles. Who knows? Uh, just like Apostle Paul said, 
He said, I become all things to all men so that I might save some. You know, that's a strong, strong verse right there. You know, he's, he's willing to bring himself to other people's levels and to, to ultimately change himself, not in an ungodly way, but uh, bring himself to different people. So that way he can get that gospel message out there. And I'm a big believer that exactly what you said, the way that you, you know, we come across these unbelievers is we, we got to give them that gospel message, truth, love, everything. They don't need to hear the super hard stuff right away. Or maybe some people respond to that, but no, exactly. Come, come in truth, come in love. And the guy, you know, I, I really believe that when somebody has ears to hear and just like the whole water implant, you know, you don't know how many times somebody has been, uh, that seed that somebody planted has been watered over and over and over again. And we just hope and pray that, you know, eventually that, that seed will turn into a plant and, and we can reap that thing for harvest and get some souls for Jesus, 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 Jesus. Like what you hear so far? This podcast is made possible by listeners just like you. You can support the show by purchasing a copy of the Blessed Money book or apparel on Amazon.com. The proceeds help us to continue to deliver the Blessed Money ministry. You can continue the conversation on blessedmoney.com or on the Blessed Money app, available on both Apple and Google's Play Store. We would love to hear your thoughts on the show or your testimony on today's scripture. Thank you for your support. And now back to the show. Show, show. Yeah, man. But yeah, so like getting back to how you're saying you just believe what the Bible say, I'm, the, I'm on the same way. Even though sometimes I may not completely understand it or it may be hard to understand. But like, yeah, so we were out doing that, right? And we come across this um, one homeless couple, and there are actually two females, right? So they're 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 a homosexual couple, and of course, you know, I believe that the Bible teaches that homosexuality is a sin. So while we're out mm-hmm. there, we're giving them love, kindness, giving what they need, and honestly, these two people are one of my favorite homeless people to go visit because they're 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 so grateful for one, they're they're authentic, and they talk back and forth to us. But the reality of it is. We've I've seen them a couple of times now, and now one of them, is, you know, God's been convicting her, and she wants to start coming to church. So, of course, we shared the gospel with her. We prayed with her. I invited her out to the church. But, you know, when I, when I left, you know, I, I went and prayed to God, and I'm like, man, these are the times where it's really hard because the truth of the matter is, at some point, she has to know, which I'm sure she already knows because she knows Christ, that God does not agree with homosexuality, but it's one of those things where it's like, she's going to have to hear that truth. And it, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it saddens my heart a little bit because one, I know she's living in sin and I don't want to see a fellow sister go to, you know, go to hell or anything. But then also too, just knowing her backstory, she's been homeless for 20 years. Her mom passed away and, and literally all she have is her girlfriend and her dog. And so, you know, I was praying to God, like, God, you know, how, you know, how can I minister to somebody like that and tell them the hard truth, you know, when all they have is that, but in reality, it's not my will, it's God's will. And it's not, it's not for me to understand. It's for what God to understand. And so it's time like that where it's hard, but I really hate it when people say you're not showing love. If I don't agree with the way you believe, you see what I'm saying? And so like, if I don't Mm -hmm. agree with the homosexual lifestyle, just like, like in my brother, I love my brother to death, but if he's committing a crime, I'm not gonna support that and be a part of that, but that doesn't take away the no, fact that I love him. Even in scripture, I can't remember the verse off the top of my head, but it says if you don't even have to commit the sin itself, but if you're supportive of that sin, you're just as guilty. Yeah, I yeah. wish I wish I could remember what scripture that was, but yeah, it's in there. And and 
it, the thing is, is just like you said, you know, it's God's will. And I really do believe when someone is transformed, the Holy Spirit's going to put that conviction on, you know, she probably knows it's wrong now and it's going to keep convicting her and convicting her to the point where, she, you know, she can't do it anymore. I heard a great analogy one time. What's the difference between an unsaved man and a saved man? <clears throat> and, you know, picture a guy, he's, uh, you know, late for work. He's got a meeting. He, you know, messed up on his paperwork. He's all stressed out. And then right when he gets in the car, his wife comes out and's like, honey, can you take out the garbage? And he just lays into her. You know, he's yelling at her. I'm late for work and I got to do this and you don't know, blah, blah, blah. And then he drives to work and he, he feels justified. You know, that's how an unsaved person was. Now take that same man. He gets saved by Christ. And then take that exact same situation happens two months later after he's already saved. Same thing happens. Late for work, scrambling around. His wife comes out, honey, can you take out the garbage? And he just starts laying into her again. Mm -hmm. But the difference is this time he knows he's wrong. And as he's driving to work, it feels like a red hot branding iron, you know, was shoved in his chest. He feels convicted. He feels bad. He knew that was wrong to lash out in anger to the point where he, you know, puts his meeting aside, calls his wife, apologizes to her, you know, confesses to God. You know, that's the difference between a Christian and a normal person. And I believe with with the case of that woman you're mentioning, you know, the Holy Spirit's going to keep on convicting her. And she's going to see those passages in the Bible, you know, especially over there in Romans 1. Uh, It it is tough, like you said, because I, you know, I have friends like that, too, that are that are in these situations. And the best thing we can do in that is, you know, keep providing an example, uh, give them the truth in the most loving way we possibly can. And. Yeah, and obviously the hard part is how exactly do we do it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and like I said, man, you know, she, the, the the good thing is God's convicting her to the point where she at least, she wants to come and hear the truth now. And she's, and the fact that we built that relationship with her and she knows that, hey, we don't want anything from you. We're not trying to manipulate you. We just want to show you love. That builds the trust. Like I taught ROTC at the University of Georgia. And one of the things I tell my cadets as they get ready to go and be officers in the Air Force, I let them know like, hey, listen, man, you're going to get, you're going to join the Air Force and it's going to be enlisted members who serve way longer than you and know a lot more than you, but they're going to have to respect you because of your rank. And I can tell you this, nobody is going to care what you know until they realize you care so take the time to get to know your troops take the time to uh, get to know their family members know what motivates them know what makes them sad and actually be genuine and caring for them and if you do that man they'll break their backs for you and it's the same way when you're sharing the gospel you know nobody's gonna care how many scriptures you know and what you can quote in the bible until they realize that you are actually trustworthy or there's somebody that you're somebody that cares and so I think the fact that we built that relationship with her when we do have a that tough conversation or when she do read it in the bible and she asks a christian about it well hey so so god say homosexual is not a, homosexual is a sin then she will be more willing to listen to our rationale and our and, and us telling her what the bible says because we built that relationship and mm-hmm. and i i even look back to uh remember the story of nicodemus where the pharisee who came and, you know, he snuck out in the middle of the night to go talk to Jesus because he was feeling, you know, what I believe when I read that passage is he was feeling convicted. He was like, oh, this this guy is the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe he didn't have a full idea, but he snuck out there and he talked to Jesus and Jesus told him, hey, to, you know, to be saved, you need to be born again. And Nicodemus is like, born again? 
you know, how do I enter into my mother's womb, you know, a second yeah. time? I think he was kind of talking sarcastically because the guy was a, a scholar, you know, he was a Pharisee. He knew the scriptures, but he wasn't practicing the scriptures. And that was the thing. And Christ kind of just, you know, he, he didn't really hold back uh, in the scriptures and just said, you know, you're, you're a Pharisee. You're a teacher of teachers and you don't know these things. This yeah. is all written down. You know? You know, so it, it made him think, and I think that's what the Holy Spirit does, though, is it allows us to take some of those punches, if you will, those spiritual punches, I guess. Um, and every, yeah, obviously, everybody's different, but I believe everybody that is meant to hear and has ears to hear will hear. You know, the, the Holy Spirit's going to convict them of that. It was just like me. Like, I, I can't honestly say that I was truly saved that night when I was six years old and I was at that play. I knew I believed. But was I truly saved at that point? You know, I don't know. But what I do know, I know I am now because my life, I see my life has transformed so many different ways ever since those dark days of my early military history and all the stuff that I was going on and living in the world. You know, I can't, I don't even, man, I don't even desire close to the, even things that weren't even, you know, considering sinful, like watching TV shows or stuff like that playing video games, whatnot. I used to love fishing. I would go, I still love fishing, but you know, I was obsessed with it. There ain't no sin in fishing, but when you're putting, you know, fishing before God, you know, that's where it comes different. You know, my desire for that kind of stuff just went down. I'd rather stay home, read, do a Bible study, listen to a good sermon, something like that. You know, that's, that's what the, the convicting nature of the Holy Spirit does. And just like we're saying, you know, if you're listening to this out there and you're worried, like, oh man, I'm not at that level yet. Don't worry about it because you're going to get there. That everybody's sanctification path is different. God knows us so well that he knows the exact path that we have to take in our sanctification walk. He, you know, not everybody's going to be the same. You hear the story about, you know, the guy who's a homosexual and, he goes into church one day just on a random whim, and then all of a sudden he repents, confesses, and he turns away from his old lifestyle. You know, and that happens. But then there's some people, what a lot of people don't realize is, you know, when you get saved, that your soul is changed, your spirit is changed, and you have the Holy Spirit. But that flesh that we live in, this fleshly body, is still addicted to the same substances that it was addicted to yeah. before. It's still longing for the same habits that we had before, the same things we were looking at before. And that's, but now that we have the Holy Spirit, we have a way to fight that. We have a way to get out of those temptations and a way to do it. And it's not going to be perfect. And we're not going to be perfect until we die and get up to heaven. But it's going to be a walk where we keep progressing and going forward. Even two steps forward, one step back, you're still going one step yeah. forward. And that's the thing, man. I, I Like I said, just getting back to, to the scripture today, is that that's how you really know when you when you sin and that analogy you gave when you sin and it convicts you you know the Holy Spirit is working on you you know that sanctification process is working on you and so your your job at that point is just to be obedient to it learn from it do it different next time and I can tell you man I grew up in the South with a single mom and my mom liked to yell and so I promised myself I would never do that when I got older to my wife and kids but guess what <laughs> now I struggle with that and the and reading the book of Ephesians talking about how we're supposed to react in our relationship mm. just convicted me to my core you know I listened to this pastor and he said if you had to rate your 
level of Christianity based on how you treat others? How are you holding up? And that just crushed me, man. And so now I'm just, I'm trying every day. I'm just praying to God that I can do better, that I speak better to people, that I control my anger, you know, especially coming from a military background. You know, I was a, a, a cop when I first joined. So we were very direct with how we do things. And I, you're in the army, you're in the army, correct? Yeah, so my yep, first deployment, army. I was under, I was attached to an army unit. You know, I was attached to an MP unit, and and in in the, the army, they are especially very direct. The Air Force is not as bad as how the <laughs> army is, but I was in a security type of unit, and we were just like, we didn't have time to talk nice to you. It's like you got to get this done and get it done now, or people' lives on the line. And so when you do that for a living, it's very easy for that to transition over. And to your personal lifestyle as well, and to your kids and that kind of stuff. And God been convicting me on it, and I've I like to say I'm getting better at it, and and I and and I just continue to get better at it. And so I really like that analogy, and I like the fact that that you know everything that you that you said and share is backed up by the Bible. And I'll I'll say this as well. I actually listened to your podcast that you did on on the Holy Spirit. And I really enjoyed it, man, because coming from the South, being in Georgia, you know, they, they're really big on being led by the Holy Spirit and taken over by the Holy Spirit. And yeah, yeah, and for me, I, yeah, go like ahead. I, I'm sorry. I, no, I was just saying, yeah, like it was a, it was a totally different learning experience for me. And honestly, I believe God brought me here for a reason because I actually tried to get out of coming here, you know, two different times. <laughs> You know, my wife had a good job up at JBLM at Joint Base Lewis McCord for y'all non-military people. You know, we had a she had a great job up there. We were doing fine. We were all settled in. We were good. You know, but God wanted us down here, and I really believe He did it for a reason because we we ended up going to a church that was a lot different from the type of church that I grew up in. You know, I'm more of a Reformed theology kind of guy. Uh, you know, suits on Sundays and that kind of stuff. That's how I grew up. You know, it's just what I'm used to. Um, and, and coming down to a more charismatic side, this is stuff I've only read about or watched in YouTube videos. And then actually seeing it up close and then get, making, you know, deep friendships with a lot of these people. Uh, I got to learn a lot more and uh, it, it enabled me to read scripture kind of in a different way and to really nail down what I believe in based off of scripture, not just what somebody else yeah. tells me. It was a, it was a true blessing, you know? Yeah. And I, I, man, I really enjoy the friendships that I've made down here. And ultimately, you know, it's making me stronger and stronger because I do have my end goal. When I do get out of the military here in the next four years, like I plan on going to seminary and I do want to be, I don't know exactly what my calling is going to be, but I do want to do something in the ministry, whether it's a pastor or a missionary or a teacher or something on those lines. Uh, and it's all just, you know, God's building me up for that. I really feel like that's my calling. And, you know, coming down here was a huge step. Man, we got so much in common, brother. So I'm, I'm out in LA and <laughs> I've, man, I fought hard to not come here. It was not on my dream sheet. I had no desire to come to LA, but I knew in my heart, I was like, the fact that I got LA, the fact that uh, I tried my best not to get it, God has a reason for me here. And I honestly think I finally figured out that reason a couple weeks ago, man. And um, so my pa my pastor let me preach for the first time on Sunday, and I had a completely different message that I was oh, going to wow. give. And God just convicted me, and, and, and I went through a couple things where I was dealing with, like, depression and isolation. Because when you, when you try to share the gospel and teach, a lot of people don't want to hear it. And a lot of people don't really want to support it. Like, you go on Facebook. 
Facebook and Instagram right now. I could post something wild and crazy and get a million views. But I post something about God and like two people respond. And so I was I was dealing with like, am I edit alone? Is God really calling me to do what I'm doing? And this and that. And and then it all just came together. And um, I I believe that my calling really is to is to build like biblical communities, like lead small groups and, 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 and really be out outside the church walls sharing the gospel. And so when I had that, when, when I was um, preparing for my scripture on my sermon, I, I realized that, that God was showing me something. When I was down in the South, I had biblical community. I had a, I had a men's group I was a part of. I, me and my wife was leading the marriage small group. And then we get out here, and the church we attend is really small, and the pastor really needs help, needs people willing to step up and help. And so, so I lost that biblical community. And then I was teaching the, I'm teaching the kids ministry at church, and then. Um, and then I'm doing my podcast and that kind of stuff. And I was just getting really busy and I just really felt like I was just isolated and I wasn't getting something. And I'm thinking to myself like, God, why am I, I'm a Christian. Why am I feeling depressed? Why am I feeling sad and isolated? And then he hit me. He was like, we need, we have to have that biblical community. So then we started up a small group here at our church. And then, um, you know, we, last week was the first time some lady, uh, one of the ladies in our church invited her friend, her friend actually got saved. And that's when God showed me my calling. He was like, you know, I got a background in teaching and I love to teach. And, and like and like you, when I got the military, I do plan on doing something for the gospel. But and everybody tell me I'm, I'm supposed to be a pastor and a preacher. But to be honest, <laughs> I really feel like God is calling me to do more of the intimate teaching, more of the facilitated discussions. So and you get that in the small groups. Amen. Yeah, and, and especially like we, an outreach ministry or something like that. Yeah, and once I started doing that, man, I it's just it's just been much it's been a lot better for me, and and I really feel like God called me out to California because one, I know my the church that I'm attending, we needed that, we needed. In my sermon, I was like, look at your neighbor and like ask yourself. You know, I, I, like most pastors tell you to talk to your neighbor. I don't want you to talk to your neighbor. I want you to look at the neighbor in front of you, behind you, left, right, and ask yourself, do you know them? And do they know you? Do they know what motivates you? Do they have your phone number? Do they know where you live? Do they know when you're sad? And like the reality of it is we call ourselves brothers and sisters in Christ. And we don't even know each other. And so how can I confess mm. my sins to somebody I don't even know and don't trust? And so that's what Satan wants us. He wants us isolated. And it's time for us as Christians to stop just coming to church on Sunday, checking the box, and then we don't see each other again to the to next Sunday. It's like mm, you, man, you're preaching right now. You're preaching. Yeah, man. And so that's so that's what I, I and like I so I think that's what God called me to do, man. And and I'm and I, and I love doing it. When I, I just love and I think it's the military in me, and I'm sure you're familiar with it. As a as a soldier, our job is to give back to the new soldiers and help build them up from what we learn and what we know. And they're gonna be eventually take our positions and be the future leaders. And so that's the same way with Christ, man. We gotta give back to to the new Christians. We gotta give back to even the old Christians. And you know, cause you can learn things from anybody. God can use anybody. And we just that's just that's our duty, man. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We gotta help people exercise those spiritual muscles. You know, that's why yeah, the Bible tells us work out our salvation, you know, in fear and trembling. And we gotta exercise ourselves unto righteousness. It's not you know, like we were going back to what we were saying, it's not, you know, an instant snap of the finger transition where all of a sudden everything, you know, is, is changed. No, you, it, it's something that we work towards, but that work isn't of ourselves. I want to be very clear of that so people don't think we're talking about, you know, faith plus works. Yeah, It, it works because of the Holy Spirit, yep. because we're saved. 
you know, and, and, and yep, it, it's a it's a beautiful, beautiful thing when it all starts plugging together and like where we're at right now. And I really thank you again for letting me come on here and talk about this. This was a fun discussion because usually I don't have too many talks on my podcast with other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to get other people uh, out here <laughs> over here talking to me, but this was this is outstanding, and I'm, I'm definitely impressed with what this this concept of this whole ministry that you got going on with Blessedimony. As soon as I heard about it, I went and looked it up, read your bio, read the description on the podcast, and I was like, "This is outstanding!" I was nobody ever thought of doing something like this before, like a testimony based off of scriptures in the Bible, not just a general testimony, but like a testimony based off of scriptures and how that scripture affected someone's daily lives. I'm like, this is outstanding. Yeah, man. We're trying to build awareness. We'll get there. And hey, if you ever need a guest, we can do the same thing on your podcast. I believe now what? Love that topic. And, and the biggest thing I love about your podcast is that it's backed up by the Bible. Yeah, that's the that's my thing. If I go to any church, any preacher, any anybody, you tell me anything, you better show me in the Bible where it says it. And that's mm-hmm. and that's just how I that's that's how because I, as a, I was like you as a kid, I grew up in the church and everything I thought I knew about God, somebody else told me, and so it had me feeling like man, you know, because a lot of when, when we were growing up, at least in the South, they used fear. You better fear God, do the commandments, or you're gonna go to hell. And I got to a point where I was like, you know what, I can't do all these commandments, so I'm just gonna go to hell so i'm just gonna do i just i might well have fun while i can and so but when i start reading the bible for myself i started getting it man and so like like we were saying i was listening to your one on the spirit man and me and my wife whenever we see people in church falling out and 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 the spirit like taking over their body or whatever slain in the spirit i think a lot of people call it yeah slain in the spirit so and and again i don't want to commit blasphemy so i'm not gonna say the holy spirit can't do that but i'll just say it never happened to me and so i tell my wife i was like if you ever see me fall out in church then you know it's real because i'm not doing Mm -hmm. it just because some pastor told me to i'm not doing it for sure and so you know and so like the whole thing oh yeah because i'm not going to limit what the holy spirit can do uh i hope i made that clear when i said i don't i'm not trying to limit what the holy spirit can do but just all the evidence like i said on that particular topic you know that the the god the holy spirit they want us to use our mind as well not just be 100 percent on the emotional side of things yeah uh, that, that, you know, we got to do things with a sound mind, you know, that's why, uh, ooh, there's a verse out there. There's a verse for everything, but yeah, yeah. you know, there's a verse out there, be, be sober of mind because you know, the devil's out there roaming around like a roaring lion. He's, he's, he's looking to seek to whom he can devour. I chopped that verse up so bad, but you know, it, it's essentially, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. You need to be sober of mind because the devil can get, be out there. And while I, I don't want to highly discourage people from seeking stuff like that, it is important to remember you got to back that up with knowledge. That's why I really love that verse, you know, worship in spirit and truth. It, it, it's, it's both, you know, I love it. you care if I pray this out, man? No, I'll do it, brother. I appreciate it. Hey, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for giving this opportunity to us to be, a, you know, two, two brothers and you in the body of Christ, Lord, just talking about you and talking about the amazing word that you inspired, Lord, the words that your son spoke, Lord. Thank you so much for everything that you do in our lives. We are so blessed to be able to have this technology out here, to be able to head and get this word out, Lord, and fulfill your commission that you want us to do is spreading that gospel word, Lord. I pray that you bless this podcast episode, and I pray that you bless, bless the money, Lord. This is such an amazing tool out there 
to go ahead and start talking about different verses and seeing the testimony in people's lives and how your word affected them. I pray that people listen to it, Lord, and I pray that they get transformed and they start drawing closer and closer to you. Thank you for everything you do, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for sticking it out with us. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I pray that you enjoyed my brother's testimony. I pray that you found value in it. And if you did, please let us know. Head over to his podcast and show him some love. Leave us a comment, a rating, share with somebody. Be a blessing and continue the conversation and share your testimony on the Blessedimony app. We love to hear your thoughts. We love to hear your stories. We love to hear how this scripture has manifested in your life. So until next time, remember, be a blessing and share your testimony. testimony. Thanks again for joining us on the Blessimony podcast. Make sure to visit our website, blessimony.com, or download the Blessimony app, where you can continue the conversation from this podcast by sharing your thoughts and testimonies on the scripture. You can fellowship with other Christians or check out the Blessimony blog. Oh, and I almost forgot, if you found any value in this show, we'd appreciate our ratings on iTunes, Spotify, or on the platform you use to listen to the show. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about us, that would be a huge blessing. Until next time, peace. Peace. peace.